1: Carter Elliott, what's going on? My
0: good sir. How are we doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic, man. I feel totally re-energized by the fact that college basketball is back tomorrow.
0: Dude, it's amazing. Actually amazing. Wish there was games on earlier, but I'll take it.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I've had this weird thought all day, but like I kind of wish there was like a midnight tip to set things off tonight.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if you knew this, Greg, but Mr. Carter Elliott himself was a part of one of the first Division One basketball games to happen in the country back in 2014 against Eastern Michigan.
1: Whoa, what like what are we talking? What time was that game? It was at noon on opening day.
0: Opening day, very first Division One basketball game in the country. That's wild. Yes, we got absolutely rocked, but Cartel put in a nice 12 and six. <laughs> Thought I was going league, didn't happen. Coach didn't see it either. It's okay though.
1: Hey, at the time, Carter Elliott putting up numbers was probably all Carter Elliott cared about. And look at us now. I mean, it's led you here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Let's kick this off. I see we got a couple people in the comments. I just want to shout out. What up, Sravan? I loved your questions that you fired at us for the live stream tomorrow, by the way. What up, Kofi? Good to see you in here. Uh, This is 8 p.m. in the internet. We've been talking, Carter and I have, about doing a little more gambling content, doing this through the Spotify Green Room app. And I actually tweeted this out earlier today but the daily pick series that we do this dropping tomorrow got a little sponsor somebody slid in and dropped the bag so this here very episode of 8 p.m and in the internet is now brought to you by dimers.com one of my favorite gambling content places on the internet they got a bunch of promo codes we'll get all that shit out to everybody this week uh but that was sort of an official ad read card did i do okay with that how do you feel about that it was
0: solid, definitely solid. One might say you dropped a dime.
1: <laughs> I hate you so much for that. Just, just skate right oh, man, head. I'm sorry. We're going we're gonna to move right on. To that. I apologize. Uh, we got Champions Classic tomorrow. Let's jump right into that. Really, the first marquee game of the college hoop season happens to be the team that you and I have a podcast about, Carter. Michigan State, it's like the gods of college basketball put this on a tee for us. They play Kansas, who's a top 10 team. As always, in the Champions Classic, it is what it is. Bunch of new faces, though, on both sides. Remy Martin, who is anywhere from a preseason first-team All-American to, like, a highly overrated, not even going to make-all-conference guy, depending on who you ask. Jalen Wilson is out driving vehicles while under the influence. We do not condone that at the Sleepers Podcast, but there's a lot of variables over in Kansas right now, Cart. Michigan State feels like they're a little more tightened up, like they're closer to what they want to be on day one. How are you feeling going into that game? And what do you think uh, the money is as far as betting goes? The line is Michigan State plus four right now on draft.
0: Yeah, so if you would have asked me before the exhibition games came out, I definitely feel a lot better Now, after seeing those two games played, um, it seems that there's not going to be as much confusion as far as those lineups. It looks like Tyson Walker is going to be the starting PG for the Michigan State Spartans, which makes me feel a lot better. Uh, If A.J. Hogarth was starting at point guard, that would scare the dog shit out of me because that man cannot check you off the dribble, I don't think. I don't think his feet can keep up with you. So him keeping up with Remy Martin and Joseph Yesifu in the backcourt would give me nightmares. But Look, there's a lot of outside stuff going on with this Kansas team. Uh, Remy Martin didn't start in the exhibition game. Apparently something that Bill Self used as a tactic to fire him up. So that means that they got some – there's there's some things going on behind the scenes at uh, Allen Fogg Fieldhouse that we don't know about, all right? And I smell blood, and I think Michigan State should smell blood as well. I'm not saying we're going to win this game, but do, if I had to lean one way, I might have to lean Michigan State with the points. Now, Greg, you tell me if that's me just being an absolute homer, or is there some truth to this?
1: It's not you being a homer, but I almost just burst out laughing because I really thought you were going to say, now I'm not telling you Michigan State's going to win this game, but Michigan State's going to win this game. I kind of wish <laughs> you would have went there. Uh, look, I I don't think there's a ton of value here from a betting perspective. I want to take Michigan State. If I had to pick one side or the other, I would take the points in this game. But I think it's pretty appropriately handicapped right now. I think if Michigan State was getting like six or seven, that's an auto play for me. Um, I think if this was pick them, you probably bet Kansas. So I, I think it's appropriate. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I don't really know what to make of Kansas right now. I think if Jalen Wilson was healthy, this line probably is more like seven or eight. But... You know, in my head, I want to tell myself Wilson being out is enough to swing this game in Michigan State's favor. He kind of was their do-it-all guy last season. He was a go-to scorer. He was their leading rebounder, really, as like an undersized wing that was playing the four for them last year. So I don't really know that there's a spot on the floor that I feel like Kansas clearly wins going into this game. You know how I feel about Christian Braun. Uh, a.k.a. Scooter Braun, the most – well, I don't want to say most overrated player in the country because we have a lot of those that we'll get to this year, but he's up there. Uh, I actually think Remy Martin's going to be pretty good for Kansas. Like, I thought he was good at Arizona State, and I think a lot of the the preseason drama with him and Bill Self is pretty highly manufactured right now. Like, Self could have easily avoided all of that by just starting him. He's obviously not that worried about it if he's willing to go to that extent to send a message, quote-unquote. He's going to start tomorrow night, and I think Remy Martin is probably the best guard on the floor tomorrow night. Um, But to me, the, the spot that Kansas wins this game would be the center spot. David McCormack is a legitimate high major starting center. Michigan State doesn't have one of those. Michigan State is still doing the whole carousel thing at center. I know Marcus Bingham gets eight blocks when he plays Grand Valley. I don't know what Marcus Bingham does in 20 minutes against David McCormack. What do you think of that?
0: I, all right, so I like that you're giving David McCormack his credit, but also like David McCormick is not a or sorry, David McCormack is not a big that I think can just absolutely went go out and win a basketball game. He's not on the level of uh, you know, Kofi, Hunter Dickinson, EJ, those type of players, Trace Jackson Davis. I don't really think he's on that level. I think he's a really good college big man um, and plays his role extremely well. But if he can go out there and beat us, then I might just have to tip my cap to him because I really don't think he has that in his game. I think he does an extremely great job at doing what Kansas needs them that needs him to do to win. But I don't think he can go out there and win us a game. And I think you made a great point with the matchups. Like there's not one position, like you said, that they're just absolutely going to overwhelm us. If it was AJ Hogart out there, like I said, guarding Remy Martin, then we would be overwhelmed. But luckily Thomas is a knows his ball and probably listens to sleepers on the side and unscripted, but doesn't want to tell us and a starting Tyson Walker. So we don't have to worry about that.
1: I have an AJ Hogard question for you. So much has been made of the quote unquote weight loss of AJ Hogard is AJ Hogard's weight loss and body transformation. Like a me weight loss thing where like every four weeks I lose 10 pounds cause I eat healthy. And then I hang out with you for a weekend and I gain it all back or is this like a legitimate 30 pound transformation and he's here to stay?
0: He's here to stay. He's a division one athlete. He's not.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's true. But like if the number one thing that a coaching staff has to say about you and your game is like, well, he lost a ton of weight. Like <laughs> to me, I don't know that that means much for you as a hooper. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you, you make a lot of it because you want to give guys credit for doing work, but like, honestly, like, I don't really know about patting him on the back for getting in shape at a division one program with extremely great facilities and extremely great resources. That's something you should do. (laughs) So, I mean, good on him for doing it, but also like, yeah, you should do that. And you know, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, like, while, while we're out here praising A.J. Hogard for getting his body in shape by his second year in college, like, can we also acknowledge that the starting center on this team has not really added any muscle in four years? Like, that's not a great sign. I don't know. I, maybe I'm just over- My, starting, my starting center can bench press you. That's 100% true. Yeah, so away, shut your I'll mouth. I'll tell you that. It doesn't pass the high test. Uh, okay, oh, so, dear. I mean, I think we're in the same spot here. Like, we both feel like Michigan State can win this game. I'm not personally going to bet it. I think I might throw Michigan State money line and some parlays just to boost some value and we'll send those out in the newsletter tomorrow, but is that fair to say are you going to be betting Michigan State with the spread or on the money line tomorrow? Uh
0: I mean because I'm me, <laughs> you know I'm putting some bread on Michigan State, but speaking as a, you know, person who people maybe look up to and look for betting advice, this is a game that I would stay away from and there's way better games to bet on.
1: Yeah. And we'll get to some of those in just a second. Uh, I do feel obligated to mention the one guy on Kansas that I do think we, like, I can't believe we haven't mentioned his name yet. And I think he could win a game for you. That's O.J. He's
0: See, I, that, that's the thing. Like if Kansas and Bill self realize that instead of, you know, running a white privilege offense, we're Christian Brown gets all the shots, you know, it might be a different story, but they just treat that man like he's Corey Brewer. He doesn't get any touches. And I'm talking about Corey Brewer on the Timberwolves. Like they don't ever get my man's touches or let him rock for some reason. Like Christian Brown is just the focal point of the offense. Like Bill Self loves that man with all his heart.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think weirdly we might see what Agbaji's made of tomorrow. Like if he is an alpha dog mentality, he comes out without Jalen Wilson. He puts up like 15, 16 shots. He scores in the 20s. And if he does that, I think he probably leads Kansas to a victory. If not, I'm not sure I love the rest of the pieces for Kansas to get it done. Uh, who, how would you rank the four wings in this game between Agbaji, Brown, Gabe Brown, and then Max Christie?
0: I'm going to go – and you're you're talking purely just right now, just college yeah, basketball. Yeah,
1: lace them up tomorrow night. How are you ranking those wings? Baji's got to be number one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to Bagi one, Christy two. Um, and then I'm personally taking Gabe Brown over Christian Braun. So I take Gabe and then Christian.
1: It would have been very against the ethos of our entire podcast if you just picked Christian Brown over over Gabe Brown, so I'm proud of you for that. You. Uh, okay, let's let's move to the second game, the primetime game. Duke-Kentucky, Nightcap Champions Classic, two teams that look a lot different than they did last season, two teams that that's a really good thing for those two teams because they were pretty bad last season. Uh, I've been on record that I like Duke a lot this year, I don't know how I feel about Kentucky yet. I can see a path where it all comes together for them. I still don't think they're like Final Four contender or at least Final Four favorite going into the season. To me, Duke is up there. Duke's a top five team in the country to me. How are you feeling?
0: Yeah, I think that there's great value in Duke Moneyline on this one because I believe the spread is at 1G if it hasn't changed in recent hours.
1: Duke minus one is what I see right now, but it's minus 120 if you go Moneyline.
0: Okay, so let's say Duke minus one uh, for this line. There's a couple things I think Duke has in their favor. One, I think they're going to have the best player on the floor in that game. I think that uh, Paolo Banchero is actually going to be the best player in the Champions Classic altogether. I mean, he's a certified top three pick. People can make an argument that he should be the number one pick. I think he's going to be the best player on the floor for them. And look, you have an early season game with Kentucky, and I love what Calipari did. But they have nothing returning. I think if I'm not mistaken, like Keon Brooks is the guy who played the most minutes on their team that's returning from last year. Like in these early season games, when you have a lot of new pieces, it's going to take a while for them to get it going and maybe hit their stride. You could see that how they struggle with Miles College uh, in their exhibition game. Now, it is an exhibition game. Can't look too much into it. But when you have so many new pieces coming in, it's going to take a while for them to get together and gel. So with it being so close and basically being pick 'em, uh, I like Duke in this game more. They got some more pieces returning. I really like Wendell more this year. I think he's going to finally make that jump and be the player and be like a Swiss Army knife for this Duke team. Banchero's a monster. Mark Williams is like seven foot nine with an eight, nine wingspan. He's ridiculously long paws. Uh, I like their team and they're probably going to be fired up for the whole Coach K, you know last tour bullshit, which I'm not buying into at all, by the way. But it is, and the players are going to buy into it. So I think that Duke is the pick in that game.
1: We got to come back to the Coach K thing, because you said you're not buying into it, and I'm 100% buying into it. You know that I love my narratives, and this is the one this season. Uh, But look, Kentucky sucked in that exhibition game, and you're right. like Exhibition game, whatever, but also – like. You're Kentucky, right? Like you played Miles College, the Golden Bears. If you are what you're supposed to be as Kentucky, you're not down seven at the half in any fucking setting against Miles College, dude. Like that, that can't happen. So to me – There's something fishy about this Kentucky group. The one thing that scares me going into this bet, because I'm all over Duke Moneyline. It's going to be a part of Daily Picks tomorrow. I love it. I think there's great value here. What scares me is that Kentucky does have that one guy in the backcourt that can just go off in a Champions Classic game like we've seen Tyrese Maxey do, like we've seen Malik Monk do. Like There's always the freshman Kentucky guard who can just get hot and put up like 18 in the second half and pull away in a game. And to me, Duke doesn't have that guy in the backcourt. That's the one weakness of this Duke team that could prevent it from getting all the way to the upper echelon of college basketball. So I'm a little like kind of talking myself out of diving all into duke money line yeah. here but ultimately like i gotta trust my gut and i have to follow paulo Bancaro. quite frankly he's the best player on the floor in a coach k kickoff retirement tour season game like this is just a game duke has to win and also they're not miles college so ty ty washington is the guy i'm scared about by the way i don't think i said his name for kentucky if ty ty doesn't go for 30 i think duke wins this
0: Yeah, I mean, but also like in that exhibition game, it didn't seem like he was just Cal- Coach Kous is giving uh giving watch giving him the keys either. So that kind of scares me, because they have some other point guards on the roster, they have Mints back from last year. They even let Kellen Grady do some ball handling as well. Um, yeah, but you know that, like you said, there's always that like guard. Championship moment. Speaking from personal experience, Tyrese Maxey came out and absolutely gave state the business a couple years ago in this in this uh tournament. So uh it's definitely definitely uh possible, but I'm still gonna lean Duke on this one.
1: Yeah, I think there's some guys with Kentucky too that like are objectively good college players, but I think there's gonna be some role realization in the middle of that game tomorrow that ends up looking a little awkward, like Severe Wheeler was the do-it-all guy last season for his team. Kellen Grady's been the do-it-all guy for years. Ty Ty Washington should be the do-it-all guy. How do those three even play together? Does it make any sense? You've still got mints, like we said. Like, they have too many guards, and too many guards is not always a good thing. C.J. Frederick, the Iowa transfer, is a guy who I would love to see get a lot of minutes for Kentucky, but I'm pretty sure he's questionable and hasn't been practicing for them. Uh, And then in the front court, like... Do we like Kentucky's front court? Do they really have anybody worth noting? Like it's basically shipway or bust. And I don't think we love shipway.
0: Yeah, I I mean I personally do love shipway. I know Dion's going to actually lose his mind in the comments, but I like him. Um the freshman they got uh Fox, I believe it's Damian Fox, I believe his name is. Uh I'm sorry, Damian Collins. I think he's a freak, but he's not going to be ready yet. Like he's that'll be down the road, middle of the season, he'll probably find his uh find his stride a little bit, but yeah, there's a lot, there's just a lot of questions. They brought in like good pieces and good shooting, like you said, but like, nah, I'm, I'm still leaning Duke, even though it goes against everything I stand for, because I actually hate, hate with a passion watching Jeremy Roach play basketball.
1: Yeah. Hate it. I do too, but luckily you're going to get to watch Paolo Bencaro play basketball, not just Jeremy Roach. Great. (laughs) There we go. All right. So we're aligned so far, two for two. I think that bodes well for us. Typically when we're on the same page from a betting perspective, that means good things cart. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but that's a good start. Uh, There's also like a hundred other games tomorrow, which is fantastic. And also a little bit stressful because like if this was a normal night of college basketball, like I would kind of want to keep my pulse on everything, but Tomorrow's the Champions Classic. Like I'm definitely going to be looking at other games, but like I feel like i want to be missing some things while I'm so tuned in on Michigan State and honestly while we're drinking from 5 to 7 on camera.
0: <laughs> and, and from the questions we've been getting, we'll be drinking a, a fairly good amount.
1: Yeah, it could get a little messy. It'll be fun. Uh, but let's, let's talk about the other games. Do you have anything that jumps out from a value perspective tomorrow that we should start? Yeah, so I do have uh I got a couple
0: actually. I go, let's see, I got three or four here actually. And I'm gonna start with this one, and I think that you would pick opposite on this one, and also Dion might pick opposite on this one, but I am picking tomorrow Oakland plus 17 and a half versus the West Virginia and the Huggins boys. And let me tell you why. All right. One, Oakland has all their whole team returning, like they have Jalen Moore, who's their best returning player, point guard, averages like 18 and six. They got Micah Paris, Trey Townsend. I mean, they're getting their whole team back for starters. Jamal Kane, transfer from Marquette, is a bucket. He averaged 10 and six last year for Marquette. He's going to up those numbers, I think, somewhere into the 18 points per game this year and maybe even more rebounds, probably about eight to nine. I think he's a legit pro basketball player and I don't know if he's an NBA player, but I think he has the measurements and the skill to be a pro high level basketball player. And West Virginia is losing a lot. They're losing McBride and Culver who are both their, you know, their return, their leading scorers on last year's team. And they have some returning talent with McNeil, the best heat check probably in college basketball and also Taz Sherman. But you basically have a lot of guys right now who are just role players last year or just guys. They might be looking at each other, seeing who's going to step up, who's going to be that guy for this team. And it's a guys who got to learn how to play without two of the better players from last year. So it's going to take some time, I think. And I think that this Oakland team has enough returning. And they played a lot of hard road games last year as well, where they're not going to be scared of the moment. So I like Oakland plus 17 and a half in that game.
1: Yeah, I would be on the other side of that from you, although I respect the research. Hashtag research is what we base all of our picks in college basketball season around. So anytime you tell me, look, I'd crunch the numbers on this, and I'm going to spit out some stats at you and some reasoning why, I'm never going to disrespect that. But this team has McNeil. That's our Heat Check Player of the Year. I can't believe you're coming off day one, pick number one, and saying we're betting against Sean McNeil. That's like our favorite player to bet on.
0: I know, I know, but the thing is, though, who's getting McNeil the rock?
1: I mean, couldn't it be Tash Sherman? Tash Sherman ain't
0: he ain't a passer. That man is a automatic (laughs) shot getter upper. I mean, so is McNeil. That's why we love him, though. We do, we do. But I'm just saying, like, you got a team that basically has to find a new identity, and it's the first game of the year. It's probably gonna take them some time to figure it out.
1: Yeah, that's true. That happens, but like. We're really banking on Greg Campy as the first guy. I
0: am banking, I am banking on Jamal Cain and Jalen Moore. That's who I'm really banking on. And you know what else, Greg? Because I know you love stats so much, let me hit you with this right here. In the last 10 games, Oakland is 7-3 against the spread as road underdogs, while West Virginia is 1-5 of five, one, one in, five in the last six of the same variety. And that's with a team that had McBride and Culver last year. New faces, going to take time to figure it out. West Virginia is going to win, but it's going to be close. I say it's a 15-point game. So go ahead and take that 17-and-a-half. Feel pretty good about it.
1: I just – look, okay, I I actually do love the numbers, so thank you for that. But, like, I'm laughing at the conclusion that – I say it'll be a 15-point game, and that makes you confident enough to take the 17 points. A two-point swing is what you think it'll be, but you feel great I, at that. I feel moment. great at
0: any number I pick. It's just I don't feel great sometimes when it ends and it doesn't hit, but I always feel great.
1: That's true. All right. Well, I will uh, I guess I'll accept that pick. Let me say that. I'm not writing that with you, uh, but I do hope you include that in tomorrow's newsletter because – it seems like there was some well-thought-out research there. Let me jump in. Let me give uh, – I have three plays I really like tomorrow that we haven't discussed yet. I'll give one of them, and then I'll throw it back your way. Uh, I'm curious where, where you will land on this one. But I'm going to take UCLA minus 20 at home against Cal State Bakersfield Tomorrow in the eleven PM Eastern tip on the Pac 12 network. Yes, I Hammer am that it. much. Hammer of the- it.
0: I, don't but- need, I don't need your research.
1: Hammer. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, just just for the people, I will give a little bit of just justification of this. Let's start with Cal State Bakersfield because if you're like me, you heard that name and you said, Who? Uh, they are 205th on Ken Palm going into the season. They were fifteen and eleven last year, eleven and seven in the Big West Conference, seven of their eight leading scorers were seniors last season, and they lose five of those seven seniors. They bring back two of them who were like the third and fourth leading scorers in last year's group, but they lose a ton. Like, in a non-COVID year, this entire team's gone. From a team that wasn't even that good in the Big West last year, this is screaming cupcake to me against a UCLA team who, I'm going to say something a little drastic here, Cart, You can tell me how inappropriate I'm being. UCLA is the most talented team in the country
0: to me. Uh, no.
1: Okay, let's, let's, I, come, let's come back to that momentarily. Okay,
0: okay, go ahead go ahead and finish your thought.
1: Yeah, I'll finish the bet. Then let's go UCLA. Uh, they're minus 20, okay? For comparison, Gonzaga tomorrow is opening up against a cupcake. Gonzaga's minus 40. Like, this should easily be minus 29, minus 30 to me. If you're unfamiliar with UCLA, which if you're listening to this, how could you be unfamiliar with UCLA after the run they had in March last season? Basically, the Bruins underachieved in the regular season, but were kind of a Ken Palm darling. Like, even though their record didn't show it, they were like, I want to say top 20 or top 25 in Ken Palm pretty much the the entire stretch run of the season before the NCAA tournament. Then in the NCAA tournament, they kill it. They get hot, and nobody can guard Johnny Juzang. A couple teams couldn't guard Jaime Jaquez. Tiger Campbell was doing everything and averaging like seven assists per game. Jules Bernard was impacting off the bench. Cody Riley was holding it down in the front court. Singleton was making an impact off the bench. Like this team just had dudes. And by the way, those six guys that I just mentioned are all back. Plus, they had Miles Johnson, a true center, which is the one thing this team didn't have last season. Plus, they had Peyton Watson, a five-star recruit who, quite frankly, is the most talented player on this roster card. UCLA only played two games last season against Cupcakes. Go back and look at their schedule, folks. They had some COVID issues in the non-conference. They did not play a full non-conference schedule. They went right into conference play. They only played two Cupcakes last season. They won both of the Cupcake games by 30-plus points. This screams blowout. This screams UCLA asserting themselves that they are here to stay, and I think it's disrespectful that this line is minus 20.
0: Wow. Okay. wish I could wish I could go against you because I always think it's good to have that dynamic. But I do love that pick. (laughs) The only way I can see this being minus 20 or is because like these Cal State Bakersfield guys are basically like, fuck UCLA, because that's that's the school they probably wanted to go to. But they ended up at Bakersfield. So maybe a little revenge in order. But nah, this UCLA team is one of the most talented teams in the country, like top five. I mean, they are top five in the country, but talent wise, they're probably top three. You could make an argument for most talented. I wouldn't be mad at you at that. So, yeah, I like that line.
1: So let me make that argument because we we have the disagreement of where we stand on UCLA versus the other best teams in the country. And I'll preface this by saying this is not like last year. This is not where Gonzaga and Baylor are head and shoulders ahead of everybody else. To me, there's like 12 teams that could legitimately win a national title this season. UCLA is 100% one of them and they're probably at the top of this group for me it's UCLA or Gonzaga when you're talking about most talented team Gonzaga has Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren and I flipped that I should have said they have Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy because that's the order of how talented those two players are UCLA is the deepest talented team in the country though like there's no team that matches those eight names that I said at all to me like I mean, I don't even know who's coming off the bench for this group. Probably Singleton and Bernard are the two I would think come off the bench. But like, is Peyton Watson a lottery pick coming no, off the bench? I, I think they, I think they brought Watson off the bench in the first game. Okay, so they have a lottery pick coming off the bench. Cody Riley, is he starting? Is he off the bench? Is Miles? He 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 started, and Miles Johnson came off the bench. So it was it was the same
0: lineup as last year that they started. So you know, Riley at the five. Jaquez, Tiger, uh, Bernard, and Juzang.
1: Okay, so it's a Final Four starting lineup plus the best trio off the bench in the country.
0: Best trio? I mean, I, I like your argument, G. It does sound good. I mean, but also, you know, this Gonzaga team is just as talented and probably has just as many NBA players. as They probably have more NBA players than that UCLA team.
1: I just don't think they got two guys off the bench like Miles Johnson and Peyton Watson, though. Nolan Hickman's coming off the bench, pro. Hickman's good. I'm taking Peyton Watson over him. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking. well, I, <laughs> I okay. We don't, we don't need to do this. I'm sorry. We don't need to do this day one. I'm just saying I'm buying UCLA. Also,
0: I- also, also it makes it easier for your off the bench argument when the dudes off the bench should be starting as well. That really aid your argument here. Cause the fact is that Miles Johnson should be starting for this team and Peyton John, Peyton Watson also should be starting, but
1: I'm still taking Gonzaga as the most talented
0: team in the country.
1: Kyle's best. That's one. That's one hundred percent true. You just made the right point there. Um, I will say, uh, like, I think they're similar, and I think the way Gonzaga has clearly the best front court in the country, I think UCLA has clearly the best wings in the country. Like Juzang, Haquez, Peyton Watson. That's just nasty.
0: Facts. That team. that yeah, that team's really, really fucking good, and everyone talks about. I, I mean. I don't know. Are you buying like the, like the Hawkez is just like the Pac 12 player of the year, like hype? I'm,
1: no, because I think Juzang is.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, because you know, you know the chats that we're in, they're all hyping that up. And I just,
1: I I don't know. Hawkez like is great to me. I think the reason Hawkez works so well is because he has like the opposite game of Juzang to me. Like they both, get similar things done but they do them stylistically entirely different uh and it's two totally different looks and they're both deserving of having the best perimeter defender guarding them from the other team but you have to pick one so I uh I don't think Akez is the better player though I think Juzang is going to put up some pretty absurd numbers I mean Tiger Campbell like what a what a perfect spot for a pure passing point guard to have like he might average eight assists this year
0: yeah, no, he is. I mean, you know, I I, I don't like to get Tiger Campbell his props because of uh, previous actions and what he did in the past. But, you know, good for him. UCLA is really, really goddamn good. So going to be a good team this year. I like that line. That's disrespectful. Like you said, everyone else who's playing cupcakes is getting 25 plus lines and they put this at 20. That means they could be blowing this team out and putting in all true. the walk ons and it will still end up being a 25 plus point game.
1: Yeah, extremely, extremely strange. All right, I have two more that I want to get to. Do you have anything to throw back your way first?
0: I do, uh, but before I do say this pick, are we still on our fade BYU train?
1: I feel like that's pretty much a well-ingrained mentality in both of us right now, but I don't have any facts to back that up for this season.
0: OK, so this is my pick without research. This is my pick that I just I always stick with. I love fading BYU. I hate that people tell me that BYU is this and BYU was that. Like, yeah, dope. Alex Barcelo, sweet. Caleb Lohner. Nice. Looks like a surfer. Not my type of basketball player. They're playing a team in Cleveland State who is a team who I would consider is just a team full of dogs. They got a bunch of dudes who transferred in from Juco schools. They got a coach in Dennis Gates, who I think is an upcoming coach in college basketball. And anyone who you ask in college basketball will say that Dennis Gates is a great coach. Um, And he basically has a system. He took over this Cleveland State team that was absolutely terrible. Went into Juco basketball, where there's great basketball players. Shout out to Juco Advocate, by the way. And he got a bunch of dogs from the Juco level, brought them in. This is a team that made the tournament last year. Is bringing back a lot of pieces from that team. And they are getting 15 and a half points right now against a BYU team that could be looking ahead because they are playing San Diego State this Friday and Oregon next Tuesday. And they could easily overlook this opening game against a Cleveland State team that, I like I said, has a lot of talent, a great coach, and is just has seniors everywhere that are coming back from a NCAA tournament team from last year. They're going to play hard as shit. I love this chance to fade BYU in this situation and take Cleveland State plus 15 and a half.
1: Yeah, I'm never going to need much of a reason to get behind fading BYU with you. So I, I'm i in, like you tell me to do that, autoplay for me. I will, however, just play devil's advocate and give you some, uh, some I don't even know, not not research-based facts here. But maybe just some like, uh, I don't know, like mental stuff to note before the season. I don't know. You know I'm weird with all this shit. They have some some Mm -hmm. freshmen with names that are worthy to know. Okay, They have a freshman, number four, (laughs) named Atiki Ali Atiki. They have another freshman, number two, named Jeremy Dowdell. And you spell Dowdell, capital D-O-W, capital D-E-L-L, with no space in between. I love that. That is just, like, incredible positive energy from those two incoming freshmen. Third, Tejan Lucas transferred to BYU, and somehow I totally missed this this offseason. He's, I'm assuming, going to play one year for BYU. He started at Illinois. He was a Big Ten recruit. I believe Michigan was recruiting him for a while. He ended up at Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where he averaged 15-5-6 last year. So he can fill it up. I'm curious what he'll do at BYU. And obviously, Barcelo is back, which... You know, Barcello, like him or hate him, like, you know, we obviously hate him. He's really, really good, especially at that level. So, I, uh, I think there's some weird positive mojo for BYU just based on those stupid names alone. However, I'm ready to fade them if you are.
0: Also, will say this to back up your point. Uh, Lucas, who did play in the Horizon League last year in three games against Cleveland State, averaged 19 points. So, he's familiar with this team. So, that does bode well for you. But like I said... There's nothing I love more than fading BYU, and I think this is a great opportunity where they're going to be looking ahead. They're playing a senior-laden team who's going to have time to prepare for this game. I think they're going to manage to keep this game close.
1: Okay, so that was your your with-your-heart pick. Can I move to my my with-my-heart pick? Yes, you can. All right, we've got a game tomorrow evening, Carter, that is Oral Roberts against Colorado. Hell yeah. We've got Max Aismas, my favorite guard in the country, choosing to return to Oral Roberts over transfer to any sort of high major program he could have chosen. Kevin O'Banner is gone. Kevin O'Banner, my favorite p- stretch four in the country. I just fell in love with this team in March last season. But Max Aismas returns. And they get tested, card. They're going to Colorado State, a Colorado State team, card that returns – everybody. I mean everybody. And you know how much you and I love playing the this team has everybody back game. Colorado State has everybody back. From a team that went 20 and 8, 14 and 4 in the Mountain West last season, good for second in that conference. That scares the hell out of me. But we have to back Max Acemis here. He's getting 12 and a half points after how he ended last season. Here's a quick list of teams Oral Roberts played last year. That they didn't lose by 13 or more points to. Wichita State. Oklahoma State. Arkansas. Arkansas again. Ohio State. Florida. Like this team has played good teams. High major teams. And kept those games close. Because of Max Acemas. And here he is again. Disrespected on night one. I don't care that Colorado State has everybody back. I know my mind tells me I should. But my heart is with my guard. Max, and I'm pretty excited about it. They also have three other guys. I know I said they lose O'Banner. They bring back three of their five leading scorers besides Max Acemus, including a power forward who is going to step into Kevin O'Banner's stretch four role. He averaged five three-point attempts in his first season at Oral Roberts. DeShang Weaver, I think he could easily jump into that O'Banner role and shoot eight or nine open threes. I just think Oral Roberts keeps this close because Acemus will go off if needed in that game. Uh, and I don't really care about the returning players for Colorado State. Am I wrong? Am I crazy?
0: You're not, and there's also something else that you're not, you're, you're forgetting this situation, and also, you were misquoting yourself. Your favorite stretch four in the country is Brandon Johns, not Kevin O'Banner. I hate Okay, him. that's your stretch four, so love him or hate him. He's uh, your stretch four.
1: Luz, Couldn't Luz be mine. Diabate is my stretch four now, but that's
0: Okay. Anywho, <laughs> your stretch four was about 39% from the free throw line. But uh, anywho, Or Roberts plus 12 and a half. I love it based off Ace Smith alone, like you said. And also, I think there's going to be a little bit of a chip on Ace Smith's shoulder this year. Like, O'Banner dips on him, leaves. When they could run it back and do something really special at Oral Roberts, he dips. He's pissed. He's like, no, nah, fuck it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to stick with my dogs, which I respect. In in a sense, because it's college basketball, NBA players should run from the grind. Shout out to Damian Lillard. But I love it just because Acemas in this game, like he's going to keep this game close, I think. I think there's a lot of people also around college basketball landscape that are mentioning so many other guards before mentioning Max Acemas. Like everyone talks about what Marcus Carr is going to do at
1: Texas. Say his name, Carr. Say his name. Say. Who? His name. Who are they mentioning? Who should?
0: Oh, my God. Oh, how could I forget? Mentioning a whole-ass Colin Gillespie over Max Aismas. Go to your nearest sink and brush your goddamn teeth and brush your goddamn tongue talking about Max Aismas isn't as good as Colin Gillespie. Eat shit respectfully. That man is a bucket, and Colin Gillespie is overrated as dog shit. And I will say that and scream it from the top of my lungs all year. It is what it is. But I like it at 12 and a half. At is going to keep this game close. They still got pieces. O'Banner's a big loss, but I still like it in this game.
1: Yeah, I just – look, it's twelve and a half to me for an Oral Roberts team that if they were playing like a top 25 team, I would think they're like 15-point underdogs. I don't think Colorado State is that close to a top 25 team. I don't care that they bring everybody back. I just don't see that team – even with the guys returning as a top 25 team. One more number for you, Colorado State, this team that has everybody on the team that was there last year, last year, 28 games, they only covered 12 and a half, 10 times in 28 games. And you can bet in those 10 games, I went back and looked, we're 10 of the worst teams they played all season. Oral Roberts will actually be one of the better teams Colorado State plays this season. So give us ace I think that's going to be one of the more fun ones to bet on night one as well. I mean, you're rooting for ace to go off, get his 35 points, keep that thing close at all times, and you're never out of it. If Colorado State does get up 15, 16 points, I mean, you're two possessions of ace magic away from getting that cover again.
0: Facts. Also, before I get to my last pick, can I throw in one non-research pick that I'm basing solely off of just actually looking at it? Okay, uh, Washington Huskies are going to be one of the worst teams in Division One basketball this year. I don't know shit about Northern Illinois, but take Northern Illinois plus 18. Washington stinks. Word to Eli. They are terrible.
1: Yeah, they're really bad. I also see uh, we got Ant Wright in the comments talking about take the Minnesota under tomorrow, which is absolutely hilarious. I don't know what it's at, but I'm 100% with it. I mean, we got to bet Minnesota unders all season long. They got literally dudes that should be playing rec ball in that lineup right now. Uh, And ML, I see you. Let's money line Oral Roberts tomorrow. I believe it was around plus 500. You better believe that's working its way into a couple long shot parlays for tomorrow. Stay tuned. On that. All right, Cart, give us your last.
0: Okay. In this one, I'm going with Bama and Louisiana Tech. All right. Now, the Bama line is at 11 and a half, and I'm not touching that. I know a lot of people are going to because Louisiana Tech, they're basically going to ride in this the momentum that they have from last year where they finished the season very strong. They're coming with tournament hopes this year. They're bringing back the thick King pause and Kenny Lofton, who was dominant with the under 19 USA team. So they're all, everyone is really loving this Louisiana tech team. So I'm not touching the, any spread money line, anything like that, but I do see some value in the under Greg. Now, you know, I usually don't go over under. So I feel like you have to back me on this one just based off research alone. And I do have research for you. The number is set at 153. So 153, first off, that's a very high total in general for the first game of a college basketball season. You don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Dudes can be absolutely just get into the rhythm, might not get in that. You know, they sometimes you take a little bit to get into rhythm in basketball games. It takes a little bit of time. All right. They're playing a Louisiana Tech team. That is gonna do their best to basically slow this game down, and they have the ability to do that. They have an older team. They got a team that's run through a post player, so they're not just gunning up shots. They're gonna be throwing it inside to Kenneth Lofton against they got a Alabama a court front
1: who can't get up and down the court too. I mean, time wise, that's
0: it, yeah, definitely. So they're gonna they're basically gonna do whatever they can to slow this game down, and they're gonna pound it inside. Pause. Against a Bama front court that doesn't really have a proven guy up there. They got some transfers and a guy. Uh, I think it's Charles Bediaco. I don't, I probably pronounced that wrong. Sorry, but he's a five star recruit coming in, but they got a lot of unproven guys in that front court. They're going to try to slow this game down. I think that 153 is an extremely high number. So. I'm going to go ahead and bet the under on that game. I can see this game being like a 75 to 80 point game for Bama and then like a point total in the 60s for uh, Louisiana Tech. So I'm liking that. I'm liking that under in that game.
1: I'm surprised you didn't give us anything for the spread in this game because I know a lot of people are saying Bama is pretty undervalued here. It's Bama minus 11 right now. Do you like that too or are you just –
0: so, I was going into this when I first actually was looking at it at Bama 11.5, because that just caught my eye. Because I think Bama is one of the most talented teams in the country. And I really wanted to bet Bama 11.5, and that's what my heart said. But once I started looking in the research, the numbers didn't really add up to it. So, as much as I want to take Bama at 11, because I think that's kind of outrageous for a team that's playing at home, and I think it's going to be one of the better teams and better offenses in the country. Uh, but I think that that over-under is set a little bit too high for the first game of the year, and I think they're just basing it off of the pace that Bama plays at, but just because they played the pace doesn't mean the shots are going to be falling.
1: Yeah, that's all all good reasoning. I like it. I don't know that that swayed me to go run and bet that right now, but if I had to pick over or under, uh, I'm riding with you on the under for that. I also (laughs) – I'm just a little curious. Like, I want to see how this Bama backcourt looks. I know everybody loves the two guys that are back, Shackelford and Quinterly. I don't really know. Like, how does J D. Davison fit in there? Like, are they going to run three guard lineups at all times? Bama's obviously very fun to watch. Anything that Nate Oats put out puts on the court is, you know, a very entertaining product on a basketball court. Um, but I'm with you. I think there could be a little. I don't know, just a, a little murkiness to that game that people don't necessarily expect. Before I get to my final pick here, I want to drop some breaking news here, Carter. Matt Painter has confirmed publicly that Travion Williams, preseason All-American Travion Williams, will be coming off the bench for Purdue in their first game of the season tomorrow night against Bellarmine. Carter, your thoughts? As a, as a front-court player who has been Bullshit. told in his senior years, you're coming off the bench. I feel like you are specifically designed to.
0: Bro, Travion Williams is the best big for Purdue. I don't care about the Zach Eady. hype. I think Zach Eady is a good college big man. I think he is not the best big man on Purdue. I think Travion Williams is probably the best passer on Purdue. I think he's the best low-post scorer on Purdue. I I mean, I don't really know. Where, I mean, I think this is coming from basically Matt Painter being uh, confused or not confused, but he's just hesitant to play Edie and Travion Williams together, which makes sense, I guess. You know, the two bigs thing is kind of dying in college basketball. But um, I I don't know. I, I think it's just Travion Williams is probably going to end up playing the most minutes anyway. So it is what it is. But I think he's the best big man on purdue and also according to eric hunter jr travion williams is the best player on purdue by the way
1: i mean obviously he's the best player on purdue that's what's confusing to me like are we just forgetting the track record that travion has at this program like i thought college coaches their number one thing was like loyalty to their guys and like respecting the dudes who have been through the wars for them like what is happening with this i uh look i think zach edie's fantastic like really fantastic. Like I think he could take all conference honors here for Purdue, but I don't understand how you give him a starting nod. If that also moves Travion to the bench. Like if it's just clear that these two can't start a game for five minutes together on the court, that spot has to be Travion's. Uh, I am very concerned. I know, you know, this car, I think Purdue's going to have chemistry issues this year. I don't care how good it sounds preseason. Like you bench a preseason, all American and you also have the guy in the backcourt that everyone's expecting to be a lottery pick. And you also have like the breakout center. Like there's just a lot of mouths that need to be fed. Carter Elliott voice pause on the Purdue roster this season.
0: Yeah. As a Michigan State fan, we don't condone benching all Americans or benching NBA players. So can't get behind that. And I'm a Trayvon Williams stand. So it just doesn't stand. It
1: I looked up that line, by the way, because I was hoping there'd be some value in just like a impromptu bet Bellarmine here, but it's only twenty and a half, which feels disrespectful to Purdue now. So I'm uh, I'm just gonna stay away from that one. I'm not gonna talk myself. Isn't
0: this. Bellarmine like a recently Division One team too?
1: Yeah, I think they kept it close against Duke last year. Was the thing?
0: Yeah, Duke sucked. So
1: yeah, well, let's just stay away from me. All right, let me get into my final. Hashtag research play for tomorrow. Card, I've got Belmont minus three. The other Bruins. We're betting two Bruins tomorrow. I love that mojo. Belmont is at Ohio. You may remember Ohio from the NCAA tournament appearance they made last season where they won their first game against Virginia. Please,
0: please respect my boy, Vanderplass.
1: I don't know that I'm going to respect your boy, Vanderplass. He's fine. He's a good player. Probably the second best player on the court in this game. Jason Preston is the name who will not be on the court in this game, and this is the reason we are fading Ohio. Cart, it's not easy to replace a guy who does as much as Jason Preston did for Ohio last season. He was a scorer, even though people wanted to say he wasn't a scorer. He was just a facilitator. (laughs) Sorry. He was a scorer, he was a shooter, and he was a guy who averaged seven assists per game over the entire course of the season. You do not – just replace that guy and keep firing on all cylinders. It's going to take an Ohio team that, yes, they do have Vanderplas. They have a lot of other guys back that aren't Jason Preston, but it's going to take them time to figure out what that offense looks like without Preston doing everything for that team. Belmont, on the other hand, Car, you knew I had to pick one team who returns everybody besides UCLA. They returned 97% of their minutes from last season, 97% of their scoring. That's 97% of a team. Who won their conference 18 and 2 in the Ohio Valley, 26 and 4 overall on the season? Cart, I believe going into the final four games of the season last year, I believe they were 25 and 1 before things fell off a little bit down the stretch. Now, that's not great for last year, but a little bit of a fade out at the end of last season, plus bringing everybody back. I love that formula. I think that team's going to have a chip on their shoulder. They're only three point favorites against an Ohio team that I think will have no identity once that ball tips and will take them five or six games to figure out. Belmont 77th on Ken Palm preseason. Ohio, 115th on Ken Palm preseason. You could also bet Belmont money line. It's not too juicy. I believe it's like minus 140 right now. But I'll stick with spread for the the ethos of daily picks and call it Belmont minus three.
0: I, I love the pick. I mean, you said it all. They're losing Jason Preston, who is their not just their point guard, like for their team. He's also just the do it all person for this team. So, you know, I mentioned players like Vanderplas, but you got to think players like Vanderplas look really, really good playing next to Jason Preston. It ain't gonna be Jason Preston next to him this year, so they're not gonna look as good. So, I like that. I like that pick a lot. Belmont also should come out, like you said off the bad ending from last year, kind of want to come out strong, send a message, say we're still here, still ready to make some noise this year, and last year is not happening. So uh, I like the pick. Uh, but I don't know if I'm liking this agreeing between me and you. What's what's that about?
1: I, I don't know, but I, I I don't know. I've swung around and thought that if we're on the same page, that usually means enough research has gone into it. It's not a bad thing. We'll see. We get, we'll get a week into the season before we decide if that's a good or a bad thing this year. What I need to do, I'm already struggling. I need to pick three of those four. The UCLA, the Belmont, the Oral Roberts, and then Duke, Moneyline. And I feel obligated to include Duke just because it's the primetime game. But like, I think that might be the most flimsy of those four going into tomorrow.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, did, did you say the Oral Roberts was part of that?
1: Oral Roberts is part of that, yeah. You think stay away there?
0: Hmm. No, nah, probably the Duke one. I think you're right on that one.
1: I just I keep having visions of Ty Ty Washington going nuclear.
0: Very true. is the game is the game in Barclays?
1: Uh Madison Square Garden, I believe.
0: Is it at the Garden?
1: Yeah, which I mean that screams Ty Ty Washington. 40- yeah, wait, no,
0: we need we need to confirm that because if it's at the Garden, then that scares me a little bit. If it's at Barclays, then I'm I'm not as scared.
1: Uh, hold on I'm looking right now I'm, I'm, okay, because like at the garden yeah it's at the garden
0: okay yeah and he, you know everyone likes to go crazy at the garden Ricky Rubio gave Larry's team 40 ball last night <laughs> bum ass and motherfuckers but uh yeah uh, MSG is just always welcoming the guards going dumb so that's the one chance that Kentucky has but like we said earlier I'm just backing Banchero in this situation he's the best player on the floor
1: does that scare you at all as a Michigan State fan that you're facing Remy Martin at the Garden?
0: Uh, no, because I I truly believe that Medi- Remy Martin is just a certified loser boy. He just puts up stats on teams that aren't good. He's got to show me he can do it at the Big 12 level and at a high level. I mean, I'm not – okay, not at a high level, but, you know what I'm saying, for winning basketball purposes, I'd like to see it.
1: Okay, who has the breakout game for MSU then?
0: I think that Tyson Walker is actually because I think up until this point, we've yet to see him be aggressive on offense and it'd be a great fucking game for him to be aggressive on offense. I love that he's trying to get other people involved, but like this is a player who has the ability to give really good teams buckets as evident last year when he gave Maxwell's boys 27. So maybe we get a Tyson Walker. I'm here. I'm a bucket game. I would absolutely love that. Uh And I think he has the ability to do it.
1: He does have the ability. We'll see. We'll see if he'll be given the keys to do it. Maybe he only plays 18 minutes tomorrow night, and A.J. Hogard with his newly slimmed-down body gets 22. If if A.J.
0: Hogarth gets more minutes than Tyson Walker tomorrow, uh, I'll drop my IG in the comments, and y'all can follow me. I will go live, and I will eat a pair of my shoes if that happens.
1: I'm really glad that we have a recording of you saying that because there's at least a 30% chance that Tom Izzo pulls some bullshit like that. Uh, Also, I I would be remiss to not mention that Ant's in the comments saying someone said Tyson's just foster lawyer with a tan. Ah, that's bad mojo for you, Kat. (laughs) Ant just know.
0: He knows what the poke fun at because that's so disrespectful to Tyson Walker.
1: Hey, speaking of Ant, Ant's going to be joining us tomorrow from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. We will be on the Field of 68's nine-hour live stream kicking off the college basketball season. They gave us the happy hour time slot. Drinks will be poured. Jokes will be made. Statistical comparisons will be pulled on screen between ant Wright and Carter Elliott's college careers. I cannot wait, Carter.
0: Oh, it's going to be fire, fire. And be sure, to stick, be sure to stay tuned to the Sleeps content, man. The Sleepers is coming out with a lot of stuff. We are a college basketball emphasis, emphasized podcast. So, this is where we, uh, you know what I'm saying? We try to flex our muscle a little bit in our, our knowledge. So, be sure to stay tuned to all the content. We're going to have some betting stuff. We're going to have some analysis. We're going to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, but it's going to be great. I'm just hyped as hell that college basketball is back, my favorite sport. So, you know, let's get it. Let's, let's get into it.
1: Yes, sir. And uh, thank you again to Dimers for sponsoring this. We appreciate you dropping the bag. Daily Picks tomorrow, more gambling content on the way soon. Stay tuned. Thank you, everybody, for jumping in here. We'll see you all tomorrow.